Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. All right, good morning, y'all. How's everyone doing? All right, there's a lot of you doing good, but I ask everyone, so let's start this all over. How's everyone doing? All right, that's a lot better. Great to see your smiling faces. I love the Father's house. I've been here several times, and after a while, you just feel like it's home away from home. You meet so many friends and have so many family members that it just feel like you belong here almost. And my wife greeted the first service, but she is actually going through growth track. I, I couldn't get her to do it in my church, so she is going through growth track. Finally, someone got my wife to go through growth track. Uh, she's there with Pastor Anita, and uh, I, love, I love your pastors. Don't you just love your pastors? We did. Yeah, come on. We had the privilege... We had the privilege of meeting them, like he said, 17 or 18 years ago, and the moment I met Pastor Terry and my wife met Pastor Anita, we just fell in love with them, and we've just grown closer and closer through the years, and uh, we do talk almost every day. We're, like a, we're just like a couple of uh, old friends that just sit around and talk about the funniest things, the craziest things, and, and the intimate things, and things we can encourage each other about. How many knows we all need people like that in our lives? And uh, same thing here, he holds me accountable and we love that relationship because I believe that's very important. But let me just say it again, because I, I think it's important for your pastors to know. I know we just finished Pastor Appreciation Month and I know y'all just did fantastic with that. But since he's sitting right there and Pastor Anita was in the first service, would you do me a favor because you, I do believe you have the best pastors available right here. Can you just let them know how much you love them? Come on, yeah, let's let them know how much we love them. That's, that's vitally important right there. Yeah, come on. That's good. That's good. Give it up for them. Yeah. Hey, come on. Bigger, th- bigger than your sports team. Let them know. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, once again, my wife is with me, but she is in growth track. So let's go to the word. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity once again to be in your presence. We thank you for your word that, that just brings all kinds of blessings to our life. You said your, your word is even higher than your name. And as much as we love the name Jesus, we know your word brings the power to that name. So we just pray you transform our hearts from the inside out. God, that we won't be the same when we came in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone say Amen. All right, I just want to talk for a little while, if I could, on a very close subject to my heart. I think it's very vitally important. Uh, We're going to talk about moving forward in our spiritual journey. Everyone say moving forward. I I think that's vitally important that we understand our spiritual journey is one of those things that we have to move forward in. There's never going to be a place where we can shift into neutral or grow to a place to where we don't have to pursue one more step toward Jesus. It doesn't matter to me where you're at in your spiritual life you can absolutely move one more step closer to Jesus today. And uh, maybe you're hearing, you're, you don't even know about Jesus. You're just on a journey to discover him. I, I like to say it like this. You are my target audience. That's the people I really love talking to. Those of you that are born again, obviously we love you. Thank God that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, but you are in the boat. You are being cleaned. I'm looking for more fish, fishers of men. And uh, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I believe the Father's house is that type of church to where if you just keep coming, you don't have to believe to belong. You just keep coming. You'll hear so much truth and you'll experience so much love from God that eventually all that you believe will be founded upon the truth and you will find Jesus as your Lord. Amen. 
And the first service, I think we had like 14 people that found Jesus as their Lord right here at the Father's house. So that's, that's what it's all about. But whatever that step is in your journey, let's take that one more step today. I know I'm looking for my step. If I can take a couple, great. But I'm gonna take at least one more step in my spiritual journey today. Now, those of you that know me, and I have made quite a few friends in this particular church, uh, you know I'm not a guy that likes to follow directions. I'm not really a directional type guy. Uh, my wife discovered that early in life, that when we get something that's not assembled, uh, and I try to assemble it, I just throw the directions aside and say, I can figure this out. So she learned quickly in life as a young lady, when she orders anything for Christmas, she has it pre-assembled, because if she does, our house looks like a construction zone. Uh, I remember one of the first times I tried to impress my wife with my skills as a young man. We bought an entertainment center, may have been from Ikea, everyone say Ikea. You know, Ikea in the Greek means divorce. <laughs> they have those boxes where the people and they're smiling. That's a lie. And so I got this thing and I thought I can put it together. I got all finished, put it together. There were no extra parts, which was a great thing for me. Uh, on the backside, it had a place where you had to nail little nails along the way so there's no gaps, no light comes through the back. And I put all those little nails in all along the way and I stood it up. I said, come babe, look at this. And I stood it up and I nailed that back all the way on the floor front. So all those little nails was in the front of the new entertainment center. Uh, directions are good. Come on, everyone say directions. And so we just want to talk about some of the directions going forward in our spiritual life today. I believe God is always directing us. The Holy Spirit's always speaking to us. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, we talked about the difference between hearing and listening. We have to make sure we're listening to the Lord because he is always directing us. And where he directs us is always going to be toward a better life. Come on. How many wants a better life? Come on, we should all want a better life, and that's what God wants for us for sure. So the thought today is moving forward in our spiritual journey. The decisions we make today certainly affects tomorrow. Whatever choices you make today is going to affect how your outcome is tomorrow and the coming days and the coming weeks. Many times we don't think about those decisions until all of a sudden we're living the consequences of those decisions. Here's what I found out, that when I live life according to my own emotions, my own feelings, my own thoughts, I usually pay a consequence. When I follow the directions of the Lord, I usually reap blessings. Come on. My flesh, consequences. The blessings of the Lord comes through obedience. Amen? So we can live by blessings or we can live by consequence, and it depends on if we're hearing what God is speaking to our heart in our spiritual journey as we move forward. Many times we learn lessons in things that don't matter quite that much. I'm that guy that wants to win every time we play girls against the guys in board games or cards, and I try to find every angle I can learn next time to play better, or maybe we learn it in our hobby or sport that we play. You know, I'm that guy also that wants to learn how to become a better golfer. It doesn't matter how good you are. You want to get better. How about, how about in social media? Any of you learn lessons in social media? You learn not to say certain things because it invokes other arguments on your page between people. How many's ever had that happen? And now you're just deleting people left and right, or comments, not people. I may have deleted a few people, but nonetheless. Uh, or in texting, has anyone ever learned any lessons in texting? Yeah, I sent my wife a flirtatious text not long ago, but I sent it to my best friend by accident. Thank God it was my best friend and not someone else, can you say amen? 
And so we learn those lessons. But sometimes in the more important areas, we don't learn lessons or it takes time to learn lessons. Maybe when it comes to our marriage or the home life that we live or our jobs and career, we don't understand that we're going around the same mountain over and over and sometimes we need to learn those things, those lessons in the weightier matters like our spiritual life. I believe all life hinges to our spiritual life. I believe everything we are, everything we do hinges and is connected to our spiritual life. How well we do in our walk with God, where our journey is in our spiritual life, that everything is connected not to this world. This world is temporary. Heaven is eternal. Earth life is short. Heaven is long. And so this is just, come on, temporary life, and we're learning our lessons for the life to come. Amen? Everyone say spiritual life. That's really what it's all about, learning those lessons. And so I want to talk about three common misconceptions that we have and people tend to have in our spiritual journey. Three common misconceptions I want you to think about. I know you got your guide. You can fill in the blanks, follow along. So we have those. Number one, check this one out. Life events make me wiser. Life events make me wiser. I know that seems like truth. I know that seems to be what should happen, that life events makes us wiser, but the truth is, it's not necessarily the truth. That sometimes experience makes us older, makes us poorer, makes us madder, makes us more lonely. It can make us a lot of things, but it doesn't necessarily make us wiser. Come on, y'all with me? Come on, look at someone say, he's talking to you now. <laughs> Here's a thought I want you to keep in mind. You might want to write this down. Life does not teach us a single lesson. It just provides opportunity to learn. Life does not teach us a single lesson. It just gives us opportunity to learn. Come on. Just because you're older doesn't make you wiser. I know the Bible says gray hair is a sign of wisdom. I, I think it just means it should be a sign of wisdom because I know a lot of gray-headed people that are just as ignorant as they ever were. Come on, y'all with me. I don't mean that wrong. I got some gray hair, and there's still some times I'm learning, and uh, I don't have as much gray hair as I'm going to have. I understand that, but at least I still have hair, and when you have a head this big, you need hair. <laughs> don't write that in your notes. Forget I said that. So check this out in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 and 7. Listen to this. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. I love this. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. And all you're getting, get understanding, one version says. Make sure you're getting wisdom into your life, and as you're, you're, you're collecting and you're developing that wisdom, make sure as well you're developing good judgment or good understanding. I found out at a very bad time that I was sent sensitive to smell. I was smell sensitive. Um, and I'll tell you how I found out because I know some of you are wondering what I mean by that. I found out I was really super smell sensitive the first time I changed our firstborn's baby's diaper. I mean, I knew I had little sensitivity smells, but the first time I changed my boy's diaper, I'll never forget that experience because you would have really felt sorry for me. But more than that, you'd have felt sorry for my wife for the mess I made she had to clean up. Y'all know what I'm talking? You getting the story clear in your head? All right, cool. I just want to make sure I don't want to paint it too clearly for you. 
So I got wisdom in the situation. I also got understanding or good judgment. Wisdom was this. When our twins were born, I automatically knew their diapers were going to stink just like my other son's diaper. That's wisdom. But with wisdom, I also got some understanding. I found out that it took six baby wipes to change one diaper. Five to clean them up and one to keep there so I can breathe into it and hold my breath, change, breathe into it and hold my breath and change the diaper. Wisdom with good understanding. Come on, y'all with me. So we're getting wisdom. We want to learn our lessons, I understand that, but we also want good judgment. Experiencing something one time doesn't make us more prepared the next time. It's not just experience, but it's evaluated experience that brings growth. It's the fact that we want to know why we responded or reacted the way we did and how we can do it differently next time and what's the answer to knowing the wisdom when that thing comes at us again because problems have a way of reappearing in our life. And so we want to get wisdom. We want to get judgment. We want to understand those things in our life. Can you say amen? amen? So if we don't evaluate our experience, we've wasted our time. We haven't learned the lesson. We'll go around the mountain again. We'll see that same scenery again. How many knows the scenery never changes? Now come on, if you're not the lead dog. <laughs> Scenery never changes. So don't always be looking at the tail end of your life. Don't always be looking at the back end of something in your life. Get wisdom, and with all your getting, get understanding. Amen? Number two, write this one down. I know better, so I'll do better. That's a common misconception when it comes to our spiritual life. I know better, so I'll do better. I've heard Pastor Terry, Pastor Nita, Pastor Ben, uh, guest speakers like Pastor Kevin, I hear them teach, so I know what the Bible says, and I know better, so I'll do better. That's not necessarily true either. That sometimes we can know the answer, but because our emotions are at play, we ignore the truth because our emotions are so tangible. Our emotions are so real. Our feelings are so raw. Our, our attitude's so connected that sometimes we can know the truth, but how many knows it doesn't necessarily mean we will do better? Everyone say, knowing better does not equal doing better. Hopefully you're getting this because we want to do better in life. James chapter 4, verse 17. Listen to this. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So there's a way that seems convenient. There's a way that seems comfortable. There's a way that seems obvious. But sometimes the obvious path isn't the best path. The end of it is death. If it's connected to you wanting to feel better, if it's connected to you wanting to prove your point to someone, if it's connected to you wanting to show an attitude in the middle of something, it's probably not going to end well. Something or someone's about to die. Amen? And I don't mean you're going to kill someone, hopefully. Hopefully you're not here and you're thinking about killing someone because we will kill you first. But, <laughs> but the truth is, spiritually speaking, something's going to suffer. Something's going to decay. Something's not going to go well because we're thinking of it wrong. There is a way that seems right, but we must take the correct path. We must take the higher road. We must take the road of the word. We must do better. Come on, look at someone and say, do better. 
How about this? Spiritual procrastination is like a credit card. There's a ton of freedom until you get the bill. So spiritual procrastination, not praying, not studying the word, not going to growth track, not jumping into a small group. It gives us more hours. It gives us more freedoms. It gives us more opportunity to do other things. But it's like a credit card. All of a sudden when the bill comes in and you got a problem and you don't have a community, you don't have the people around you you want, the bill is a high cost to pay. We've got to invest in our spiritual life. I'm reminded of a young boy that was taking a wagon load of corn to market one day, and as he was rounding a corner, the, the whole wagon load fell over, and one of the farmers close by heard the noise and decided to see what was going on, and as the farmer went down the street, he saw what happened. He recognized the boy. He knew him, and he said, Willis, what's going on? Why don't you come have dinner with us? We'll deal with your problem in a minute. The little boy said, well, thank you, sir, but I don't think my pa would like that. He said, well, I know your daddy pretty good. I don't think he'd mind. Come on, you need to come to dinner. Get your mind off that. I'll help you load the wagon back up in a while, but we'll just have some dinner. He was so convincing. The boy finally said, well, okay, I'll come have dinner, but I don't think Paul's going to like it. And so he went and had dinner with the guy and his wife and the farmer sat there just kind of consoling him. You know, I've had those same problems as your young farmer. And they got done with meal and he said, well, let's go take care of your difficulty. And the boy said, I really do feel good about this. I feel much better, but I don't think Pa's going to be really happy. He said, well, come on. I said, I know your pa pretty good. By the way, where is your pa? And he said, well, he's under the wagon. <laughs> How many knows he knew better, but he didn't do better. So you have to know better and you have to do better. Can you say amen? And, and when we don't learn the lesson, here's what happens. We can see our life and we say, wait a minute. That's why the last bad relationship looks like the current bad relationship and it's heading to another bad relationship. Why? Because we're not doing better. The problem is we become, by our choices, by our difficulties, we become bad pickers. Everyone say bad pickers. <laughs> That's great grammar, huh? Bad pickers. You're just a bad picker. You're such a bad picker, you can't even find anything when you pick your nose. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah stop that. Anyway, so, so the, the idea of it would be this, that when you look at your choices, you look at your difficulties, you look at your problems, you keep going through that, there's always one common denominator with my mistakes. I am the common denominator. In your problems, you are the common denominator. When you continually make the same mistakes, it's because you've made the same choice. We've got to know better, and we've got to be better. Can you say amen? I love, I love this last one I'm going to give you because I think this is very important when it comes to these things. If we're going to walk further in our spiritual journey to, do, to know better and to be better means this. I'm going to start reading my Bible in the morning like I said I was going to. I'm going to start praying immediately like I said I was going to. I'm going to be at church even if it's raining like I said I was going to. Why? Because that's a good choice for my spiritual life. It's a good way I can jump in one more step toward Jesus. It's so I can do what's necessary to progress in my spiritual journey. Amen? Number three, write this one down. Here's another misconception. Time is against me. Time is against me. It's amazing how we live in a a society where everything is so quick. Everything is so fast-paced. I had someone on the airplane with me not long ago telling me, man, our world's in a terrible place. Our world's in a horrible place. I said, I don't know if you know this or not, but our world's been in a horrible place for a long time. 
And he said, yeah, but it seems worse. I said, it seems worse now because we hear about events on real time. We hear about events right now. We don't have to wait until it comes by Pony Express anymore. We've got everything right in our face. I'm playing golf and news flashes are coming across my phone. You know what I'm talking about? That wasn't enough. I had to get a watch that gave it to me on my wrist in case my phone was somewhere else. Now it goes off and I know what's going on. Everyone say immediately. In fact, I'm getting a text right now. <laughs> so, so it's important we understand that time is not against us. We feel pressured because everything is so automatic. Everything is so rushed. Fast food, drive through tellers, microwaves, everything is so fast so we start feeling pressure and all of a sudden time becomes my enemy. Come on, everyone say, time is not your enemy. Time is on your side. If you're of my age, you know a song that says that, right? Some of you already started bopping your head and singing it. Time is on our side. Time is not our enemy. We have to understand this. There's a feeling that opportunity is passing us by. Maybe the younger generation, they wouldn't say it like that. They would say it like this, hashtag FOMO. How many knows what FOMO means? Come on. Yeah, I see you guys. Fear of missing out. My wife and I got a text not long ago, and the person put hashtag FOMO, and she said, what's FOMO? And I said, it's fear of missing out. And she said, I've never heard that. Well, that's because you got to be current. you gotta, you, you got to be young in mind. See, I can be brave when she's at growth track. So. I think really with all the misconception, this is the most deadly one. This is the most distracting. This is, this is the one I believe is most destructive when it comes to our life. That we feel pressured to do something now and we're not taking time to get the wisdom and the good judgment. And because we feel pressured by time, it's why we keep making bad choices. That's why we keep making the decisions that send us around the same mountain. Some of you agreed, even during prayer up here, that you felt like you was going through the same thing over and over. That's because you're feeling that pressure on you. You gotta find that father figure. You gotta find that companion. You gotta find, can I tell you this much? You have a father in heaven that loves you. You have a father that is your companion. He's a father to the fatherless. He loves those who do not have a companion. He will bring you to hell to where your next companion will be your best companion. He will bring you to a place where you'll have a father in your mind you never had on earth, but you have a father you could not imagine living life without because he is a father to the fatherless. Come on, y'all with me? Come on, y'all. And, and I just love talking to single mothers, and I just feel in my spirit right now, there's a few of you single mothers, you feel pressure because you have children. You're like, i got to find them a father in my house. You need to put their hand in the hand of the Heavenly Father. You need to firmly plant their hand in the hand of the Father that loves them. You need to remind them that although they might not have an earthly father, maybe they had a deadbeat dad. Don't you beat them up any further. You just show them the Father of Heaven who loves them, who cares for them, who's there for them, who will never leave them. Yeah. Amen? And in case you didn't recognize it, that was a word of knowledge for some of y'all. Amen? Just so you know that. Check this out. I think it's important. Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Many satisfying years. Here's the promise of God. 
I don't care who you are. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. I'm not the youngest one in the crowd. I'm not the oldest. I'm 55 years old, and I'm, I'm feeling better about myself right now than I have when I was 30 years old. I feel like I have more energy than when I was 30 years old, and it's scriptures like this that does it. I have years ahead of me, many, many years of satisfying life. I have years ahead of me. God said, you're not just going to live life and survive. You're going to live life and thrive. Time is on my side. I have years of satisfying life. My wife and I declare that every morning. When we get up, one of our first things we do, our first declaration in the morning is simply this. Every way, every day, and in every way, we're getting better and better. Every day, and in every way, I'm getting better and better. Come on, ever say every day, and in every way, I'm getting better and better. How's your marriage? Every day and every way, I'm getting better and better. But all I have a husband every day and every way. God's sending you a better husband. How's your finances? Every day and every, not, not, not if you're married. He's not sending you a better husband if you're married. That was for the single, so get that out your head. Every day and every way, come on, I'm getting better. How's your health? Every day and every way, I'm getting better and better. But the doctor said, no, the great physician said, every day and every way, I'm getting better and better. But the counselor said, no, Jesus the counselor said, and every day and every way, I'm getting better and better. Everyone say, more better. More better, more better, more better. Why do you do things like that, Pastor? Because I don't want you to forget. I want you to get more better, and you'll remember that. <laughs> I look at it like this. Life is really just one transition to another. That we're transitioning from a, a, a storm to a life of calmness. Sometimes the other way, we're transitioning from a calm life to all of a sudden there's a storm. Jesus said it best when he said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. I love that. Be of good cheer. How, how am I of good cheer? Because whatever comes is already overcome. So whatever comes, I overcome because he's already overcome what I'm coming against or what's coming against me. My transition is already taken care of by the one who saw me yesterday and planned my tomorrow. The one who created me, the one that called me while I was still in my mother's womb, the one who saw me when I was born, he's the one that's already got my days worked out that even before my life began, he saw every day before it was even recorded. And you wonder how I say in confidence every day I'm, and every way I'm getting better and better. Here's how. Because tomorrow's not here yet, but the God of tomorrow is already there waiting on me. He's already got it worked out for my tomorrow. Amen? <laughs> I love this because, for instance, when we're in pain, we become self-absorbed, don't we? You ever had a toothache that was so bad that you could think of nothing but that toothache? How many's ever had that happen? Years ago, my wife and I, were, we were uh, doing youth camps. We ran youth camps for 18 years. And during one of these youth camps, I got a really bad toothache, an abscessed tooth, and it was just bad. It got so bad, I, I felt myself just kind of pounding my head against the wall. But eventually, I got a pair of pliers, and I started trying to pull the tooth myself. Yeah, see, that sounds like it's bad, but I was in such pain, I didn't care. And a friend of mine said, well, you just go down and get some whiskey and soak it. It'll take that pain away. And I said, well, I was taught not to have whiskey. No, just soak your tooth in it. Well, can I tell you, it's not, it's not good to wake up with a hangover at youth camp. 
Now, if my wife was here, she'd be shaking her head like, clean this up. I didn't really do that. But I did find some clove oil, which helped tremendously. But pain makes you forget everything else. You love your spouse still. You care for them, but you just want them to be quiet and leave the room. What's the point? The point is, the same is true when we're in emotional pain. Emotionally painful people, or those who are in emotional pain, they still love us, they still care for us, they're just absorbed with their own pain. That's why when you have a friend going through a hard time, that the, question, the, 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 the conversation always comes back to them talking about their issue. It's not that they don't care about our life, it's not that they don't care about what we might be going through, but their pain is so real, they can't see what you're going through. Come on, y'all with me. And let's all face it. Sometimes we've been that person where we were just talking about all of our pain. How many knows you don't have to live in pain, and when we have no pain, we have clarity, and when we have clarity, we make better decisions because wisdom and good judgment can then be found. We're no longer looking at our life like, it's so painful to be me. No, why? Because every day and in every way, I'm getting better and better. This pain will pass. I will transition into something great that God has for me. Can you say amen? amen. But see, many people, they, they seem to think their situation is so bad, they have to act now. They have to act now. And self-absorbed people make self-absorbed decisions. That's why many times we go through that same problem over and over because we make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions, on a temporary pain. But we have a Jesus that loves us, a Jesus that's our healer. And some of you already found that next step during this message so far that you need to take toward him, that you need to correct in your spiritual life. We are unique, but our circumstances are, you, are not unique. In other words, let me put it like this. You're not going through something somebody else has already not gone through. Jesus did not wake up this morning, look at you from the top of heaven and go, I've never seen that. What are we going to do, Dad? Father, look at this. You ever saw that? And God goes, nope, I'm scratching my head too. I don't imagine that's the conversation going on concerning you today. I imagine in heaven they said, yeah, yeah, we got that. We know, we saw, and we've already got it worked out. That's why the Bible says he gives us the strength that equals the day. He gives us the strength that equals the day. Listen to this. Life and time work together in harmony. Time teaches us the value of life, and life teaches us how valuable time is. Come on. Time teaches us the value of life, and life teaches us exactly how valuable our time is. We've had, as pastors now, I've, I've been a senior pastor for 30 years, soon to be 22 years at The Rock. We started it after my wife and I divorced and remarried. God restored our life. Most of you have heard that testimony, and and uh, I wish I had time to share it all the time because it's a story of redemption and restoration. It's a story of declarations being true that in every way and every day we're getting better and better. And since we've been a pastor, once again, since we pastored once again, we've had people leave our church that I would have never dreamed would have left our church. 
We've had some of our best friends leave by email. And when I got the email, God's just decided to have us move on. I read that email going, okay, there's more to this story, but I'm obviously not going to hear it because you don't want to talk about it. Truth is, most people leave a church offended, in pain. There's no real reason behind it other than the fact they mistook something, they misheard something, they got hurt by something. Instead of being mature and responsible and talking about it, they chose to make a decision in their pain. Everyone say, in their pain. I say that because recently we had one of our great members who used to be on staff with us return to the rock that left in a really bad way. And when they came back, they said, can we come back to the rock? And I said, I never asked you to leave. And so they came back in with humility. They've been back with us for a while now. And here's the cool part. Their kids are full grown. Their kids are now in our leadership. Their grandchildren are now being born into our church and raised in our church. They're a vital part of our Sunday experience where they used to be once before. Their life is now flourishing. When they left, their life began falling apart. Here's the danger. Many times when you have a pain and you make a decision out of that pain, you devastate your life. I'm not saying people were ever devastated because they left the rock. And I'm not saying you'd ever be devastated because you left the father's house. What I'm saying is people who leave with offense and pain, a lot of times they never reestablish themselves in another house. So spiritual aspect goes out the window. But when you can reason through pain, you can allow God to heal your pain, you can talk as a family through the pain, come on, God will bring blessings where there once was a curse. Y'all with me? The blessings of the Lord are rich and add no sorrow. So here they are back, their life is flourishing, their kids are flourishing, their personal careers are out the top. And you might say, well, it's because they came back to the, no, it's not because they're at the rock, remember. It's because they reconcile their pain. They're no longer making decisions based on their pain. They're making decisions based on progress. They're no longer basing their future on thoughts of themselves. They're basing their future on the thoughts of what God can do in the life of people who realize through the course of time, things can change if we're patient. Everyone say patient. Well, you know, pastor, time is a healer. That's not true. It's, it's not true. I'm sorry. If you're here saying, no, time, time is a healer. It's really, it's really not a healer. I promise you it's not. And let me, say, let me tell you how I know. Because my wife and I, 21 years ago, lost a nine-year-old twin son in an accident. It was a very painful experience. And since that time, my wife and I have dealt with a lot of people who's lost children. When they hear our story, they come to us. And a lot of them lost children near the same time and they're still stuck in that pain. They haven't changed their mind. They haven't changed their heart emotion. They haven't even changed their child's room. It's like a shrine. It looks, the, it looks like the same day their child left earth. So if time was a healer, we'd all be healed. But since there's a lot of people in pain here, we know that time is not a healer. What time does is time gives us a gap of space. And in that gap, it depends on what we do with ourselves. Everyone say, myself. So if today I offended you, take some time. Use that gap. Get over it. Come to me and say, you offended me. Let me explain myself because I wouldn't intentionally offend you. And you do love me. You just don't know me yet. And I know this because I love me. 
and I know me better than anyone else. And if I can love me, anyone can love me. I would say time. I would say quit taking my time. <laughs> you can take that gap of time to continue to focus on your, focus on your problems and you will not receive healing. Or you can take that, ga that gap of time and focus on your future and God will heal your life. God will redeem the time. God will restore the years. Why? Because we've chosen to let wisdom and good judgment come in during time and heal our hearts. Come on, look at someone and say, let God heal your heart. Here's a good example of a scripture I want to give you. It's from the life of Paul. It teaches the same thing this couple learned coming back to our church, that they came back in personal humility and now they're experiencing divine destiny. Paul had his first journey, big round one, and also had round number two, 14 years in between. Listen to this. He was somewhat unsuccessful and even could have been embarrassed by round one. But he came back 14 years later with round two and was a great success. Now, he started planting churches. He, he started bringing things about the kingdom of heaven. And in the middle of that, he wrote the words we know in Romans 8, 28. Listen to this. What did he say? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Well, how, who are those that love God? Those that love God are those who put their focus on God. Not on their pain, not on their problem, not on their past, not on their mistakes, not on their failures, but they focus on God. Those are the ones who love God. Can you say amen? amen? So I think that's vitally important. In all things, we need to remember this. God's grace is bigger than our difficulties. God's grace is bigger than our mistakes. God's grace is bigger than our past. God allows us. Come on, if we allow God to use all things, then he will use them for our good. Everyone say, for my good. Let me just close this as the keyboard player comes. Or I could just wave my little finger. But I'm just going to tell him, come on up. It's like the awards, but when the music starts, you got to stop. I'm reminded of the story as I was going through this, and it reminded me to share because I'm fairly convinced as a pastor after all these years that many people know the cost of stuff, but very few understand the value of things. There's a difference between the cost and value of something. Something that's valuable, we'll pay more for. Value are the things that are non-negotiable in our life. What are you placing value on? That's why some stay in their problems because they value it so much it makes them feel like they get some attention because even negative attention is better than no attention. So they keep the problem alive so people are concerned and people care. Can I just say this to you? I'd rather be the one caring for someone any day than the one being cared for. And so I heard the story of the Titanic. I didn't realize that on the Titanic, 11 millionaires went down with the ship. One of those millionaires, Major Puchin, 
shared his story and said that the night the ship went down, as he survived, obviously, if he shared the story, he survived, in case you lost that. He shared that when the ship went down in his room, in a box, he left $300,000 cash. Back then, that was a, well, now that's a lot of money. <laughs> he, he left costly jewelry and securities in a box. And when he left, he picked up three oranges. The point he made was this, that in the situation surrounding me, the money, the jewelry, the securities seem useless and senseless. But if I could find some food, if I was drifting for any length of time, I would have sustenance. And it made me think about how many Christians don't understand what they should value in their spiritual walk. That they have to wait till there's problems and then they realize the value placed on something. Not the cost, but the value. That's why I've counseled many rich men that would give their fortune away for their wife to come back. That's why I've counseled many people who would give anything for their child to come home because their last words were cruel words. You can't buy the things that God wants you to value. But we should never wait till we're in a crisis and our ship is sinking to realize what we need to grab a hold of either. And can I just say this to you? Do you know why ships sink? It's not because of what's around them. It's because of what gets in them. And some of you are taking on some bad water. Some of you are taking on some heavy stuff. And you wonder why your life is sinking. It's not because of that which is around you. It's not because of problems that's broke out. It's because you're letting it in you. It's because you're weighing yourself down when Jesus said, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Do what you can, but then trust him with everything. What do you value? Why do we tell you go to growth track? Why do we say get in a small group? Why do we say come to church? Why do we say we're glad you joined us online, but what you missed here today, you could never find at home. The surrounding of God's presence with the community of believers encouraging one another. So if you're not consistent in any of that, now is the time to start saying, I'm gonna have problems. They might break out tomorrow. They might break out next week. But one thing's for sure, all of God's people has issues, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you have issues. Come on, look at someone and say, I'm praying for you. Now look at that person that's second choice and say, I'm praying for you too. <laughs> Here's what I do know. There's no doubt in my life, in my mind, that we're created for forward motion. Everyone say forward motion. You ever notice in your car, you got a great big windshield and a very tiny rear view mirror? Think of the anatomy I'm built for my feet to go forward. If I'm built in the other way, there's a deformity. It's odd for me to reach back this way. I'm built to reach this way. You might say you have eyes in the back of your head, but you don't. They're in the front of your head. Your nose leads you to the buffet. 
In fact, we're so created to think of future. There's only one part of our anatomy in the behind. So in essence, I think that's what God is telling you to do on your past. Hashtag poop on your past. <laughs> now I know we're laughing, but let's not lose the idea of what we're doing here. We're getting wisdom. We're getting understanding. So we can begin to use time to have our future laid out before us as God would have it laid out. To have our life progress that we can say, by faith until it happens every day in every way I'm getting better and better come on every day and every way I'm getting better and better everyone every day and in every way I'm getting better and better amen let's pray father I love you God we thank you that as we're in your presence we cannot begin to express the joy that we have God, the joy that just comforts us to know you're constantly mindful of us. God, that comes in and reminds us that you're always ever present in our life to improve our life. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, people are praying. This is just a private moment. Maybe here and you're born again, you can say, Pastor, I already know Jesus. I, I know I'm going to heaven. I know heaven's my future. I'm secure in my salvation. But as you were speaking today, I saw myself in part of this talk. I saw a few areas where I, I know I need to mature. I need to make some adjustments and alterations. I felt the Holy Spirit already dealing with me on some areas I need to prove my spiritual journey. If that's you, well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and you want prayer in those areas, will you just lift your hand up right back down? Just Good, 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 good. Thank you. Thank you there in the back. You can put them right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Hands going up all over. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you, sir. You can put them right back down. That's awesome. Let me ask you another question now. I'd never close this service without asking this. And once again, I'm going to ask during this time specifically, heads are bowed and eyes are closed because I want to know this question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord? I am not asking you if you were baptized as a baby or if you went to church as a child, I can prove to you by the Bible those are not the means of salvation. The Bible says all of us have sinned and we've come short of God's best. Then it says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. In the Old Testament, that's why they would take a lamb, a spotless, the spotless lamb, called the spotless lamb, the firstborn lamb. They would sacrifice that animal. The high priest would take the blood from that animal and offer it in ceremonial fashion for the covering of the people's sins for one year and they would do it every year. But because a man sinned, ultimately a man would have to die. That's why Jesus came to earth. He was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life. That's why he's referred to as the spotless lamb of God. At the end of his life, they led him to a cross where he laid his life down. They crucified him, spilling out his blood. His blood no longer covers your sin. 
His blood obliterates your sin, past, present, and future. They buried him, but three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death because he loved us that much. The book of Romans says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There it is. That's the avenue to salvation. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What does it mean to be saved? One, it means saved in, it means saved from an empty life. You know that emptiness you've had in your heart, that chasm, that void? Through the years, maybe you tried to fill it with drugs, alcohol, parties, relationships, business, money, career, hobbies, busyness, but you still feel void. You still say there must be more to life than this, and there is, but it's not something, it's someone. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that can fill that void. Secondly, it means saved into a place called heaven. When this life is over, eternity begins. It's either heaven or hell. I'm not trying to scare you. Hell wasn't created for you. Hell was created for the devil and his angels or anyone who rejects Jesus. I believe you're wiser than that. You feel that tugging at your heart. That's Jesus saying, come home. Heaven's a perfect place. No more sickness, no more pain, no more disease. In the presence of Jesus, with those that you love, those you're influenced to go with you. But you must be born again by Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father, which is in heaven, but by me. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed once again. I'm not going to put a spotlight on you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you like we prayed for the others. We're going to pray for the others. But if you're here right now and you need Jesus, you want to know that heaven's your future, as these others already have, will you just slip your hand up and right back down? Just slip it up. Right. God bless you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You can put them right back down. Eleven, twelve. Come on, is there another? Thirteen. I see you there in the back. Fourteen. I see you in the back, ma'am. You can put them right back down. There's fourteen. Is there, is there anyone else? God bless you. There's fifteen. God bless you. And I believe some of you are brand new to this church. I just feel in my heart that you've come in here not knowing what you were going to receive, and you receive the greatest gift you'll ever receive in Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask Pastor Terry to come up here because I believe as the pastor of this house, he should be the one to pray this prayer with you. And I would encourage you, and I know they will as well, but I would encourage you that you need a home church and you're not here by accident. And I know for a fact you're in a safe house in this place. How many of those in this world with troubles coming at you, you need a safe house? <laughs> Come on. Sometimes we need a little witness protection. <laughs> and you can be protected at this house. We say God bless you. Love you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. If you raise your hand, and we'll all pray this prayer together, I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. It's not just to get guilt off, but it's to begin living a life of purpose on purpose with a purpose. So pray this with me today, would you? Thank you, Father for loving me, for never giving up on me, for sending your son to die for my sins. And so today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's give... Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. 
If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message.